0: Hey everybody, this is Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor, and I'm doing a Saturday rainy afternoon podcast. I've got a couple phone calls I'm going to enter in, but I wanted to uh, dedicate this next episode to Rob C. from Down in the Heat podcast, because I've been reconnecting with my old anchorites. Mm. And uh, trying to catch up on a few of the podcasts, because I've been out of the scene for quite a while. And... uh Unfortunately, I wasn't able to leave a message on his podcast because when I looked it up on Anchor, I couldn't find it anywhere. So I don't. So I am, uh, doing this podcast because he gave me the idea for, like I said, that my podcast was always going to be, uh, unoriginal and rips, ripping off other people's ideas and, uh, I still should have called it the Doppelganger Podcast, but maybe I'll make another one and do it that way. So, uh, the 1st uh, let's go to the first uh, phone call coming up.
1: Hey, Tim, Jason here. Really enjoying your episodes. I know I haven't been calling in very much. Also enjoying your Patreon rewards, I guess would be the right word. So, great job. As far as the discussion on rules you don't use, I think it's interesting, a lot of these... OSR, the new OSR games, these games that aren't based on BX or based on TSR rules, but are supposed to invoke OSR feelings, are really heavy in the procedural bit, really heavy into tracking torches and tracking encumbrance and making life really suck and doing the math, like Torchbearer, I'm thinking about. And a lot of us never played that these games that way, kind of like you're saying. I mean, every now and then, like you say, it's interesting to do it. But for the most part, that's not really how we play the games. And it's interesting that that's the thought of how these games are played by people who weren't alive back then. Now, I should specify, because I was very generic in that last call, I'm not saying that everybody that writes these newer games that are trying to evoke the feeling the OSR did not play OSR games, weren't alive back then. I'm not saying that at all. But I think you know, especially you get on the Discords and you get on Twitter and and you, you read these things by players that, have ne- that you know, were younger that never played back in the day. And they have this idea, like, they think AD&D is roll 3D6 down the line. And that's not a character generation AD&D at all, right? So I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there on how the game was played. And then because these other games are created to evoke the feeling, it further skews the, the idea of what... OSR is and or you know what the older games are like I should say and, and how they were actually played so anyway great job keep it up
0: and that's Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Podcast uh, the uh, guy who calls everyone somehow he's just amazing on all his calls and input and everything and I it's it's interesting what he said there about the new games that are coming out. It seems like there's a I I guess an extremism, I don't know if that's the right word, where the system either doesn't kind of address it at all you know, keeps it very simple or they as Jason puts it, makes life suck for you, trying to keep track of everything, because, you know, keeping track of torches and rations and and that can be tedious business, depending on what kind of game you're trying to run. Um, I know, like, uh, what is it? Uh, I think it's Black Hack, and, I'm, and I know there's many others that have the usage die. So it kind of kind of goes in the in the middle there. It 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 uh, tries to simplify the. Uses of torches or rations, so you don't have to kind of keep constant track of them in some ways. And it's and it comes down to luck, and it's it, I think, it adds an element of fun that you're that you know, you're rolling to make sure that torch is still burning or you know, that you have enough food for the trip. You know, it can get pretty precarious if if you have some bad rolls. Um, and then you have the other side which. You know, you kind of hand wave through or whatever. I guess my thing is is you know, if you've got experienced adventurers, they're gonna have that shit taken care of. And if they can't take care of it, they can hunt and uh you know get that, especially in the campaign that I run, which is in a forest, there's plenty of wildlife, there's plenty of streams, so water and food are not that scarce. I guess if I was running a um, a tundra or you know a, a desert type campaign, then it, then I guess I could see that becoming a definite component, an element of the game. Um, but I, I, I that's probably why I have that attitude. Really, is because it is uh, the setting is such a forgiving setting only in that way because oftentimes the players are the you know the characters are food and uh not the other way around so all right thanks for calling in jason always appreciate hearing from you and next call up is from the the enigma himself mr che webster
2: Hey Tim, it's Che. Just wanted to thank you for a couple of recent episodes. I enjoyed the Froggy Moth. I listened to the Froggy Moth. I might not have been one of the majority who didn't, but I did enjoy that. It was great. And uh, thank you for that one. But also thank you for the most recent one when you're talking about things, rules you don't use. Um, I really appreciated you just talking through all that stuff and kind of your re- reasoning and your rash, sort of rationalisation really, I suppose. It's great. And um, yeah, just thanks for it. It got me thinking a lot about what I'm doing with my gaming. And you're right, there's Sort of depends on the situation, you know, whether you want to use, for example, the encumbrance rules. It depends on the, what the game is about, what the focus of the game is. And I, I really appreciated that line of thinking. Um, also got me thinking about magic items, how I use them, how many I have. I'm kind of with you, I tend to have fewer. Um, yeah, so all good stuff. Nice to sort of just have your, your brain scratched and a few ideas thrown out there. I really appreciate it, man. I hope that, well, say hi to Ivy. Game on.
0: Thank you, Che. I appreciate the call in. And Ivy says hello back to you. Um, yeah, it's funny that Che says stuff like that because Che is such a deep thinker on such topics. And I'm pretty, you know, 101, 102 with my thought process. I I don't seem to deep delve into my process. I don't think that much. Uh, but thank you, Che, for calling in. Always good to hear and that, and I gotta catch up on some of your podcasts too, because I have like I said, been kind of out of the loop for months and months, if not a, almost a year now for various things plus uh on a weird side note like my my old phone was no longer able to uh be used anymore because I guess it was a three g phone, I just had a crappy phone that I used. Uh, because I'm not a big phone person. But because it was so out of date, it it would no longer work. So I had to go get a new phone. Well, then it took me a while to um, remember to download my podcast player and, and then kind of reload everything. The funny thing is, is I've been having a hard time finding some of the old podcasts that I used to listen to. So hopefully they're... Somewhere out there to be found. So all right, now on to the main topic. All right, now this main topic is brought to you by Rob C of Down in the Heap. Thank you, Rob. I was listening to your one of your I don't I think it was your last podcast. Um and you were talking about levels in a campaign, how high you get up. Getting you know stopping around fifth level maybe your campaign's petering out maybe uh, um, that's when he max out because he was he was kind of talking about the fra- farther he gets away from being a normal human the less interesting it gets and uh, I want to kind of address those points I guess in my own campaign. Usually, I start off campaigns first level. I like starting them out as noobs and going through there. Now, my campaign, Komor Forest, is um, is kind of a hex crawl, unforgiving, deadly kind of thing. I present monsters as they are. So, if players come up against the hill giants, then you know it's up to them to determine how they react to it and if they engage it or if they ignore it. Um, and a lot of times, especially in a first level campaign, the, the characters, you know, I, 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 uh, while I, I do populate the uh, campaign world with, you know, monsters, uh, regardless of hit dice level, there has to be some sort of sense to it. I'm just not going to, like in the old days when I used to write dungeons, there might be, you know, I drop a, I don't know, a dungeon on graph paper and it'd be filled with a bunch of 10 by 10 or 20 by 20 rooms and the first room it had like, you know, seven blink dogs and the next room would have uh, Beelzebub or three pit fiends and then the next one would have, you know, a red dragon. Didn't have to make sense, just had to be there, you know, you just made it because, you know, let's... That was game designing back then. These days, we're definitely a lot more sophisticated and, you know, demand a lot of realism out of our fantasy, which is, you know, kind of ironic, but we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Especially when it comes to the monsters, because I do want them to make sense and, you know, they're, they're hunting grounds and. And and the residue that they leave, the swath of destruction that they may leave, and and that way it gives some depth to your campaign or um warnings to your players that maybe they're getting in over their head after they maybe see like a bunch of trees knocked down that if we keep going this way we might, you know, find Kong and he'll he'll eat us type thing. With that said, the NPCs that are in Houndstead, too, also are aware of somewhat of the experience levels of people coming in and, and realize that, you know, they don't want everybody coming through getting killed. They definitely want to see these folks grow and, and you know, bring back some of their wealth and spend their money, and you know, because it doesn't do them any good to see them go out in the woods and, and uh, never come back. So what they'll do sometimes if I have like some adventure hooks or seeds that go with that NPC, they'll kind of steer them towards maybe a level appropriate adventure. That doesn't mean that along, along the way that they won't encounter something that definitely isn't level appropriate because wandering encounters in, the, in, in my campaign tend to get get nasty so uh that's why a lot of times they're not camping in in the forest they're kind of doing a lot of uh we go in we get out you know we're not we're not messing around so anyway so the npcs will steer them towards more level appropriate kind of adventures and they'll go from there maybe do some skeleton hunting or do, do a little bit of, you know, grave robbing and stuff like that from the barrows that are, you know, litter the the Comor Forest. Uh, and then kind of go from there. Now, I use OSC. And OSC has, and it's not just OSC, it's just the way, you know, used to be. But they have a plateau leveling system. So your fighter basically only gets hit points when he levels. Nothing improves until he hits fourth level. His base to attack does not improve. His saves don't improve. His, uh, you know, anything. Nothing improves except his hit points until it's fourth level. And a lot of them are like that. But, I mean, like, with, with clerics, thieves, and magic users, they're gaining levels or they're gaining some sort of points, or they're gaining spells, not levels. They're gaining spells, and thieves are gaining, um, uh, increasing their, their skill levels. So at least they're seeing a little bump in their ability to do things where someone like a fighter they they don't get shit, you know, it, you know, it, they get a nice bump on the to hit base, but that doesn't happen until fourth level. So when you finally are able to grind out like a, to second or third level, you know, you it's the reward is pretty wah wah And I've always wanted to and I and I don't want to say rewrite, but adjust that part of OSE, I want to have a little bit more of a because I think if I think if fourth level like the fighters get plus three to hit. Well, why don't you just have them go up plus one, plus one, plus one for each each level that they go up, or something a little bit smoother instead of a big jump. That doesn't make any sense to me, you know. And and like I said, I'm not I'm not. uh, uh whipping OSE or anything because that's the way it was i mean that's way basic was and is and and whatnot and making it kind of a smoother transition into levels makes more sense now this this is only going for OSE. i don't know and in, in basic you know i'm not sure what rob played and everything so going up in levels really is not a reward in a lot of ways i mean other than you can maybe take another hit and that's if you're lucky and, you know, you roll high on your hit points because, you know, imagine you you're grind away and you finally go up one level and you roll a one on your hit points as a fighter and you're just like, well, shit, that was worth it, you know. Um, but what I do when I give out experience levels, because I know my players are always on the verge of death, any, you know, any encounter that they have, any of them could die. Uh, last session, um, uh, Matt Jackson's Ranger bit it. She got too close to one of the hill giants, got hit by a boulder, you know, fastball to the chest, and she was done. She assumed room temperature. Uh, so I didn't even know that she died until, uh, after the fight or whatever. Anyways, uh, yeah, that could happen at any moment, so I want my players to also kind of go up levels, I guess, in a fast track. I, I can't remember if it's, uh, I think it was Pathfinder that had like three track things where you could do like a slow track and awarding XP, a standard track, and then a fast track on how you give XP. And I can't remember. For some reason, I'm thinking that was Pathfinder. And I always do the fast track with my players. Um, So when I get, so say they kill a hill giant, and I, for some reason, I think I remember it's like 250 experience points or 750, I can't remember exactly. I don't have them divvy it up between all of them. So if they kill four hill giants, I don't have them divided up and that's how many XP each person gets. I just add the thing up. So if they get 2,000 experience points for that encounter, each character gets 2,000 experience points. It's very generous, (laughs) I know, in a lot of ways. But like I said, in my campaign, I, I roll everything out in the open. So, there's really no forgiveness in it, so if you get hit i don't i can't fudge my dice I don't fudge the 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 damage, so what you see is what you get and hopefully you had fun by the time your character died <laughs> um I think we've had i've had two well Matt's my first p c death in there, and then we've had Rob sacrificed his guy for the good of the cause and everything. Um, So in some ways there was two PC desks. But using that fast track, that allows the players to kind of go up in level and become more significant. Now see, now I know Rob said something about getting away more from being a normal human. Or you know, and I get that. I get that philosophy about it. But I also, I I guess what I, I I don't like about some GMs, and I'm talking about Joe here in particular, is when they get up a higher level, they start taking things away from the players. Even though at that level, they should have that ability to do that. And this happened in a lot of the AD and D modules back in the day that I've talked about. That you know you'll you'll Reach you know a level where you can do this and this and that, but then the adventure will read well. You're unable to do this or this or this during the the, this adventure, and you know other than it's a fu statement more than you know any real reason why they can't. And to me, I want the players to be able to use their toys if they can teleport or fly. Fantastic, that's cool. Let's 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 use all those things because there's a there's a lot more nasty stuff you can use at that point too or that they can go up against and there's just a whole lot of bad stuff that can happen when that when that happens um and i think it adds a very very cool element to the game i mean there's something to be said i think a lot of especially old school adventurers or uh gms do have problems with higher levels just because never really reached there the 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 players die uh, or the characters die or the uh, uh the campaign just peters out because they've kind of been leveling slow or whatever the case may be where i try to fast track so they can do that stuff so they can start playing with those fancy toys that they get at higher level that being said I have my characters usually, and it depends on the campaign. Um, like three campaigns ago, with uh, that was set in the Comor Forest, the players kind of retired their characters at around seventh level because it made sense. That was the conclusion to their story arc, and then they then they became significant NPCs within my campaign. Right now, they're dealing with Joe's guy who runs Hound's Head now, which is the main, you know, uh, civilized location in the campaign. Uh, But their characters now, I think some of them are fifth level. I started them off a little higher level this time, because this time Joe's character, this is his third leg of campaign in the Comor Forest campaign. He's had so he started off a little higher, so I kind of started off everybody at third level, which I didn't mind and everything. Now everybody's about fifth level, I think, or uh, pretty darn close to it. The druid, oh my God, the druid got to use call lightning, and man, did that put on a show! And that's the stuff I really like. I mean, the player character or the the the, char- the, the guy who ran ran uh, his druid was just like happy as shit because he got to use his call lightning and it was funny because one of the prerequisites of that uh spell is it has to have storm clouds well i didn't really have a weather chart and i wasn't going to do it and i saw i had him roll a d6 i said well if you roll uh, i think i said a one on a d6 you got storm clouds damn enough he rolled a one and then he just started calling like i think it'll last for like he gets to cast a lightning bolt. I can't remember what it was, but it was a lot. And it was he was raining down the lightning, and he was just like barbecuing every freaking buddy that he was hitting. And it was a blast watching him and the characters, and like you know, trying to get the hell out of the druid's way so they weren't in in the the range of his next uh, what we call it, a barbecue bolt. Uh yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I like seeing the players doing that. And Rob made a one point where he said he doesn't he doesn't like the point where a character goes in and he's fighting ten orcs and it's been no big deal to the character. I want the characters to have that moment where they where they can wade in to a group of orcs and just start mowing them down, you know, and and just kind of just not have a worry in the world now that doesn't mean they won't get beat up or something bad else might happen but having that moment of I'm a complete badass you know I want my players to have that because it's fun I know as a when I'm a player and I get to have those moments oh man I just I just love it I love having those moments of badassery because I roll so many ones I'm usually the buffoon. So it's it's fun to once in a while be on the other side of that. Uh, I just, I would like to see more of a, our old school GMs not, I, I don't want to say afraid, but I'm going to say afraid, of those higher levels. It's okay. It's almost like the same from running, um, And I don't know if this is a good analogy, but, like, if you're running a dungeon, everything is kind of, you know, contained. Everything in this world is contained in this 10 by 10 room with this secret door on one end of the room, a door on the other end of the room, and some sort of furnishings or some, you know, maybe there's a dead orc. Mold, you know, mildewing in the corner. And that's the world. It's easy to manage. It's easy to, uh, I don't know, I guess quantify. You don't have to come up with anything too much on the whim unless somebody, well, I look under the chair of, you know, or look under the table. Other than that, you know, then you might have to come up with something, which is which is perfectly cool. But when we get to those higher levels, like low levels, that's the same way. We, we, we just have these narrow things, you know. we got to deal with the clerics, basically, you know, their cure spells, or they're maybe, I think, it's second level, they get hold person. With your fighter, you know, you generally don't have too much to worry about anyways, unless they start getting some magic items that, that uh, you know, start making them god like um but once you start getting to those higher levels then you start losing those boundaries and like and in a way almost like i'll make the analogy almost to a city campaign now now you're no longer contained in this 10 by 10 room now you're in the city block and not only are you dealing with the city block there's no real walls to continue i mean you got roads but you got some alleyways too and you got some buildings and you got people just walking and up and down the road and they're not really interacting with the characters and then maybe some are taking some interest and maybe some of them are coming to find them but then some of those buildings have a second level and maybe there's somebody in that second level that's throwing a chamber pot out or uh Cursing somebody out from down the street or whatever. Uh, and then who knows? There might be something below the city street that's going on now. Maybe there's a sewer underneath that street. All of a sudden you have this three-dimensional situation where your options have just multiplied exponentially. And a lot of in as a GM, you cannot you know cover all those you can do your best you got to be really good in improv improv improvisation i think i said that right improvisation i don't know something like that you guys know improv how about that um but it's difficult and that's the same i think what happens with the high level characters all of a sudden you're the options for high level characters Become exponentially more. They, they just they have a lot more that they can do than before. And it's funny how many folks get caught up on those traveling spells. Um, like flying and teleport. I, I mean I, I guess I never I never had issue with them and I never wanted to take them away because I think if the players had them, they would have they'd have more options, but like I said, it it adds another danger element to it that I I definitely like. Uh, boy, I lost my train of thought there, but I don't know. I I just think GMs old school GMs, and I'm I'm looking at you know I I don't see it as much as the. And the fifth edition, because I think everything there is just sort of, uh, you know, you have your challenge ratings and you have your different things, so everything's kind of um, ready for you. It's kind of pre-baked, pre-made uh, for a GM ahead of time, and then plus a lot of their gaming books are set up to go from first to 20th level or somewhere along those lines. Not saying that's a good thing at all. But I think it makes the GMs in like a fifth edition a lot less timid about uh, approaching these high-level campaigns. And I'd like to see more old... I guess that's what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way is I'd like to see more old-school GMs not be afraid of high-level campaigns. And not to restrict them because I think they can be a lot of fun. And I think it's a lot of fun to allow characters to become badasses and and rule the land and to wade into a a horde of skeletons and just you know rack their bones up like a you know um, like it was nothing you know I, I think that's a blast being able to have that kind of power because you're gonna remember when you were first level and you went up to a skeleton and you're just sort of like you know if that skeleton hits me you know, I got a fifty-fifty chance of dropping. <laughs> so, yeah. But I want to thank Rob C again for the uh, topic. As always, enjoy his can uh, his uh, podcast down in a heap. Hope you guys listen to it. I know I got to get back and listen to some old um, old episodes because there was another topic on there he brought up that I want to I want to talk about. So. All right, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, man. It's long, I know it's a long episode. I appreciate you listening. Hope all is well. Take care. Roll better than me, and we'll talk soon.